I can remember deals where I lost thousands of dollars because I, I misquoted somebody and, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I caught it right away and yeah. I didn't send out official disclosures, but I'd already set his expectations. Yeah. You know, I set his expectations a certain way and about an hour later I go, oh, I didn't, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and I, you know, so that, that, was a, that was a situation where I said, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, I have to eat that cost because yeah. that's the expectation I set. A right view of work understands that serving a customer is ultimately at the core of every good business. As I heard someone put it in another interview I did recently, in business, if you can obsess over your customers' problems, that's where you're going to come up with your best ideas and solutions for those problems. This week, my dad and I discuss how maintaining a great customer experience can make or break any business. We get into what that has looked like for us at CSM specifically, and how anyone can take their emphasis on customer experience to the next level. Welcome to Work is Good, a podcast where we aim to help people enjoy and excel at their work. We do this by having conversations about the beliefs, qualities, and habits that make that possible. We also start every episode with a brief housing market update and a mortgage question of the week. My name is Landon Buto with Cleveland Street Mortgage, and I host this show with my dad, Chris Buto the owner and president at CSM. Please enjoy this week's episode. All right, Dan, we are talking a little bit about customer experience this week and the importance of that and how to focus and develop that. But we are going to start with your weekly housing market update. Anything new in the housing market this week? Yeah, from the, really from the finance side, it's been a good, it's been a good couple of weeks, actually. Um, you know, the, the, the Fed's been carefully watching the consumer price index numbers. Back in December is when we first got hints from the Fed that, you know, that maybe they were willing to, to consider slowing down the rate of increase of the federal funds rate that drives a lot of other interest rates and does heavily influence mortgage in interest rates as well. And, um, and we saw that come true here with the most recent announcement. Instead of increasing the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points, they only did it by 50. Hmm. And that had been hinted at before, and the market was already expecting that. Uh, but what happened this past week is we got a second month in a row where the CPI came in under prediction and lower than the previous month. And so that's really what we need to see ultimately for the Fed to back off entirely from raising the Fed funds rate is to get inflation under control. Mm -hmm. Now, if the market was looking for the funds to signal, the Fed to signal that they're done raising interest rates, they would be disappointed because it was, um, you know, the Fed released their economic projections. There were no, um, uh, there, were, there were no reductions in the Fed funds rate in the 2023 predict, you know, predictions. And so I think the Fed's slowing down. Yeah. Um, but the Fed still wants to see a lot more proof that they've got inflation under control before they're going to actually stop raising the Fed funds rate. But overall, it was a good week for interest rates. Um, right now, you know, 30-year fixed rate on a conforming loan amount uh, with a 740 credit score. We're looking at about 5.875 with a 5.978 APR. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's really substantially better than it was yeah. two or three months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah so, I mean, yeah. Even just recently, kind of the number on everyone's mind was seven. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if we were generally up there, if personally. We, we got pretty we, close. Yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of the, the standard number that everyone yeah. was aware of. And so that's a long way from there. That's great. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a mortgage question for the week, which is has to do with the difference between qualifying for a loan as a qualifying for a mortgage 
at when you're self-employed um, versus not self-employed versus <laughs> W-2 or um, what what are a few few main differences there? Is there anything obvious or is it a pretty similar process? No, there's some you know very obvious um, you know significant differences in, and it's and it's just frankly harder to qualify as a self-employed individual. Mm -hmm. The bar is, is is higher and the amount of documentation is higher. Of course when you're self-employed, when you're an employee, you know the simplest thing is when you have you know a salary job, you're a W-2 employee, you work for somebody else and you, if you've had some history in that industry or even if you just came out of college, you get a salary job, get one page, pay stub and you're qualified ready to go. Yeah. Self-employment, they generally require two years history and that's two years filed tax returns. Mm -hmm. And so even if you've been doing the business for two years, it takes you significantly longer than two years to have two years filed tax returns. Uh, and so now there are some exceptions to that, but it's just a lot riskier to take someone who's just recently gone into self-employment, um, no matter how good you are at doing whatever that thing is that you were doing before you were self-employed, even if it's the very same thing, um, be, be being self-employed, generating the business, running the business, all of those things bring additional levels of risk. Yeah. And so, so not only is it just a higher standard, they're going to be stricter, it's considered riskier just in the, in the what they call the layering of risk. When, when you run your loan through electronic underwriting, that computer engine is, is layering all the different risks. What's your credit score? How much down payment are you putting? What kind of property is it? A condo, a manufactured home, single family? Right. You know, yeah. it's layering all those things together to come up with a recommendation to say, yes, we would approve this or no. Yeah. And self-employment is also a higher level of risk. And then, you know, you're, instead of just giving them a pay step, you're going to need some tax returns. And so, yeah, there are fairly significant differences. So, specifically, if you had someone who is, who let's say, owned a landscaping business and they have three employees that work for them and let's say, let's, you know, there's, there's so many variables, so it, it's, it's hard to isolate one thing, but um, the, the question I want to get at is, do the, is the, amount is the number that's used the number that the business is making or that the individual takes home like if the business makes hundred thousand right. um one year and then one hundred twenty-five thousand the next year but let's say this rain let's say 60 of that both years goes to um employees costs and you know none of that's take home and then some of what is take home might even be reinvested which numbers right. used there for, for qualifying? Right, no, great question. And um, and so, you know, so as a, as a business, you have a, you know, a, a, a profit or loss, which, of course, will deduct out any salaries that you already paid. So, mm -hmm. of course, salaries that you paid to other people other than yourself mm -hmm. are deducted from that mm -hmm. net profit and loss. Um, now, if you paid salary to yourself, it gets deducted, but then it gets added back in. You know, mm -hmm. so like, you know, for example, I'm a, you know, we run our business as an S corporation, mm -hmm. and I take a salary, and that lowers the net profit of the business itself, but then that salary gets added back to my income from an underwriting standpoint. So that kind of nets out. You you get the full benefit of the business income. Now, I'll qualify that there's a little bit of a caveat with that, and some of that depends on whether it's a Fannie underwriter or Freddie underwrite, because 
Fannie and Freddie treat differently, some of them will look more carefully at, you know, to your point, what if you're reinvesting money? So what if you get a K-1 from your business that says, oh, in addition to that salary that you took out, your business made 150000 but the distributions to you were only sixty. So you left $90,000 in the business, yeah. and, and Fannie and Freddie will look at that different. Both of them will ultimately give you the benefit of the yeah. full income, okay. but I think Fannie has a more stringent under it. They'll, they'll do a kind of a liquidity analysis to see whether or not the business could handle distributing mm -hmm. that extra funds out to you. And so you do have to pay attention to that, but for the most part, you know, kind of the very big picture answer to that question is, for the most part, you get credit for the entirety of the business income. Yeah. Now that's okay. if it's a pass-through. If, it, if it's not a pass-through entity, so now we're getting into tax code, but yeah. you know, like a C corporation is taxable on its own. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't pass through and tax you. That's different. Mm -hmm. you know? So that income that, that's earned at the C corp level may not necessarily get attributed to you as would if you're you know, in a partnership or another sort of business that passes through and taxes onto your personal tax return. Yeah. Yeah. So very long story very short is yes, it's it's more difficult. Yes, it's more to difficult to qualify in terms of it, it, like in a sense there are lower odds of you qualifying of your income or there's more hoops to get it to qualify yeah. in the first place. Right. And then it's just more work to get all those yeah, things more together. work considered more risky. And then none of this is to discourage self-employed individuals, sure. right? It, it, yeah. it, you know, I think it's just be aware, and all the more reason if you're self-employed, everybody who is shopping for a home or starting to think seriously about that should meet with a mortgage professional and sit down and go through it. You know, everybody should do that, absolutely should do that, so that you get real numbers, you're not using assumptions, you know that you're qualified, um, but especially true of self-employed individuals, yeah, because it, it is, um, it's just a lot more complex and, you know, of course, I'm a CPA, I have a master's in tax, so I'm really good with working with individuals who are self-employed before you get in front of an actual underwriter that I can, I can accurately distill what they've got going and know how to present it to underwriters. Um, but, um, but, yeah, super important for self-employed to get, you know, get pre-approved, get yeah. sit down with a mortgage professional. Yeah. yeah, a lot there, and as always, there's more under the surface than it seems like. Yeah. And... Uh, that's why it's difficult to give someone straight, quick answers when they ask mortgage questions, but um, helpful nonetheless. So thanks, Dad. So, uh, let, yeah, let's shift over to um, our work topic of the week, which is the importance and the development of a good customer experience and what you're doing. Um, I've been thinking about you know, you know, my role is getting us known, getting Cleveland Street known, and and I also like to think about um, the actual developing the actual business itself, as opposed to just it's purely getting what we are known. Also, developing who we are and right. what we are, and and in a sense in thinking about what makes a mortgage a mortgage, what make, makes it a good experience, what makes it the best, is it's just been, you know, there there are differences. There are differences in the technology you can use, the communication you can use, the products you have access to. There are differences, but it just seems to be more and more clear to me that the main difference is the experience. 
and because you know yeah those are nuanced differences but the at the end of the day um their mortgage is a commodity and and getting it from one place versus the next the end product is you know there are going to be minor differences and and sometimes significant in terms of price but there's a let's say a 80 percent that fall somewhere in the middle and the end product is very similar are you am i am i on track so Um, far anything you would correct so far well i i actually would push back against the commodity label for a mortgage because it is so vastly different than you know if you want a jar of peanut butter that's a commodity yeah right you know you you have a jar of peanut butter it's pretty much a commodity and you can just go buy it off the shelf and somebody's got it cheaper that's great the mortgage is so much more complicated yeah and the customer service element to your point that we're going to talk to here yeah. you know just the professional knowledge that you need the you know in, in order to take someone's situation then optimize the outcome yeah you can't commoditize that. You know, I know it, it's consumed as a commodity often, and I, and I think that's legitimate. You know, people look at, oh, what's the rate? What's the cost? Yeah. And, and it's consumed in that way, and so, you know, maybe that's a distinction without a difference, but I, I do think that it's, that it's um, way too complex. And I don't mean to say, hey, we're so smart because we know mortgages, you know, and, yeah. and we're like, you know, rocket scientists. It's not that, but it's so encrusted with regulatory layers and and you know there's so many different ways that you see numbers and so many yeah. different programs that it really isn't something that can be that easily commoditized um however yeah no and and yeah i mean 100 percent agree um i i i not to underplay the differences uh, my point there and in underplaying the differences between the actual product and the actual process was to emphasize the experience itself, yeah. and those those overlap itself. Uh, those over, overlap a little bit, but totally there there are important distinctions in the product itself and in getting the best product for your situation. Um, however, a a huge part of what makes a good experience, nonetheless, and, and distinguishes your experience and your product, is. Um, is the way that you are served as a customer yeah um and and that's just become more and more clear to me is that that you know whether people have a good experience or not you you know something i've been doing recently is just reading through reviews on like rocket mortgage and it's really interesting seeing what makes people happy and what makes people not happy yeah and uh and so much of it comes down to the experience um so my question to, to get the ball rolling is um, what what have you seen as the uh, as a role that you've wanted that to play at, at Cleveland Street over the years? How have you approached um, customer experience? How do you view yourself in relation to your customers? What's your role for them? Um, yeah, can you get the ball rolling with that for us? Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. Um, from the very very beginning, you know, our sort of motto internally has been you know, an excellent name in the real estate marketplace. Um, that's always been number one with us. And, and, I, and I, you know, I don't say that you know, with any sort of you know, undue bragging or pride. You know, pride. It, it's just been what's driven us. You know, scripture says you know, a good name is more to be desired than, than riches. 
And, um, and that's always been the most important thing to us is having a good name. So customer service is how you have a good name, right? I mean, that's at the end of the day, customer service word encapsulates everything that the customers experience in dealing with you and how they walk away feeling about that, you know, that, that experience with you. And that's always been something that we wanted to, um, to score high, you know, to score high in. And, and, and it's played out over the years. I mean, there's, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I, 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 mean, I can remember deals where I lost thousands of dollars because I, I misquoted somebody and, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I caught it right away and yeah. I didn't send out official disclosures, but I'd already set his expectations. Yeah. You know, I set his expectations a certain way and about an hour later I go, oh, I didn't, mm -hmm. you know. And, and, and I, you know, so that, that, was a, that was a situation where I said, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, I have to eat that cost because yeah. that's the expectation I set. And any other outcome for him, you know, he may understand it, he may forgive me for sure. it, but it's still a negative, you yeah, know, negative you had part one set of the of expectations set and, by you, and yeah. Then. And, and so yeah, so from the very beginning, that's always been the most important goal for us is to, yeah. to have a good name. Yeah, that's interesting because I think reading, reading the the reviews, like I mentioned, the uh, um, Rocket Mortgage reviews, is even you know as much as I'd love for people to not love their Rocket Mortgage experience and and look for something smaller or you know yeah. um, reading those as someone who's seen a tiny bit of what goes on the, on the other side of things uh, you realize that a lot of it is not really what rocket it, like the upset customers the upset reviews are not really what they're doing what they're doing wrong but it is unmet expectations in the sense that, you know, oh, they didn't give me this, or I worked so hard to give them all this information, and then they went and said I couldn't have a loan, or, you know, yeah. so that, that's just, that's not Rocket's fault, it right. is what it is. Um, but you wanna make sure you're careful about how you communicate a customer's expectations. If they come in with certain expectations that you had nothing to, to do with, that's one thing. Right. But if they've come to you and you've done anything to give them expectations that you can't follow through on, then that's a huge part of the experience, whether or not, you know, you hedged that and said, now I may not be able to get you this or, um, but it is part of how they feel and, and the overall experience in the process. And I think that uh, that following through on expectations has obviously made a big difference for you. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, so how, how have you, what's the process been? Has there been any growth over the years in refining that or realizing areas you needed to grow in um, anything major obviously there's you know daily steps along the way but is there anything major that you've changed along the way to make for a, a better customer experience yeah I think the number one thing um, that that we did was to enhance the communication hmm. um, during the loan process because I, I think that you know when I got into the business uh, I had you know, very little prior, prior, you know, I had, when, I, when I started the company, I had very little experience in mortgage origination. I had maybe a year and a half, hadn't had coaching, hadn't really had a lot. And so, you know, so we just kind of started feeling, okay, let's just do a good job for these clients and, yeah. they'll, and, and, and we'll build a good reputation one loan at a time. But what you can do when you, you know, what, you, what you're not realizing when you do that is just how much anxiety there is on the other side of that mm. and, and how much 
how important it is to be regularly communicating with these borrowers during the process to let them know, hey, we're on track, everything's going great. And it wasn't until really many years later that I kind of had my first coaching involvement in, in, you know, in the mortgage industry. And like I said, I didn't start, I didn't join a big company with a bunch of people mentoring me or coaching me. You know, I just learned a little bit about origination, started the, started the business with Uncle Ted. He had very little experience as well in mortgage specific. And so we just didn't have coaches, mentors to kind of show us some of those things. And so it was years later when you know, I, I, I got involved in some coaching and, and they pointed that out to say, you know, one of the most important things you can do is call your client every week. You know, hey, update them. Just say, here, every week, I'm going to call you on Tuesday of every week. I'm going to let you know how things are going. Um, I'll let you know if I need any more documents from you. Anything that happens along the way in between those calls, scheduled calls, I'll call you and update you. Mm -hmm. And it's just that, that weekly call to them to say, hey, everything's on track. It's looking great. Oh, I still need that pay step for you when you get that. You know, they really value that. And I think yeah. you can read the reviews. I'm sure you saw that. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I did the same thing. You know, I went and read reviews, positive and negative. You yeah. know, um, had to go to other companies to get the negative ones. Right. Yeah. Right. Of course. But, but yeah. positive it's and true. negative. It's true. It's not a joke. Yeah. 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 I've got like, you know, check it out. I've got like 155 star yeah. and one stinking four star review. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so I just went and read the reviews and communication is always, you know, both in the positive and negative. That's near the very top of, of what people, you know, what people appreciate, you know, is just that regular communication. So I think, yeah, that goes a long way. So I'll throw one at you. What are you not doing uh, right now? What's, what's next to take that to the next level um, to if, if communication is a huge part of making that a big, a good experience for customers. What's next to make it even better than it is right now? Um, I, I think the you know the communication thing is is not that complicated. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just a principle. It's, yeah, it's not like one of those things where you can go, oh, you know, I'm going to start out doing it poorly, you know, because I yeah. I don't know how to do it really great yet, and then yeah. you know it really is pretty simple. Just yeah. call them weekly and let them know. And, and so I, th I think being more consistent with that, you know, is, is the next uh, level thing. But I think maybe what's next level is not, is, is you know, and, and maybe this is sort of in that same vein, but what I would say is advanced communication. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing that I haven't really focused on before. We just send out, you know, we just send out the application. They, you know, we get the contract. They've, they've come to mutual agreement. They're ready to go forward, and all of a sudden they just start getting hit with, okay, all these disclosures come out, and you, know, you need updated this and that. And I think what I haven't done as well is is picking up the phone, and say, hey, congratulations, you're the kind of, I want you to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, and, and I actually did that today. I had a you know client, was, you know, that, that just got into contract, and I did that today, and I and I and I really felt it helped me, hmm. right? Because now I know they're prepared. To receive these things, and they they know better what to look for, yeah. um, and and maybe even on a deeper level than that is to actually um, develop some you know, some videos that say, hey, here's the documents that you're going to get, and here's where people typically get hung up. Well, you know, yeah. I I know I've been sending these out for a long time, hundreds of them have gone up, and you know a, a, a non insignificant percentage of people run into trouble on this document all the time. Right. You know, and so I. Probably next level would be to start to do a better job of saying, and look, by the way, when you get to this document, here's a problem that people have run, run into, yeah. here's how you fix that. 
Yeah, and I mean, very related to what we were talking about earlier is if you set that, if you communicate that on the front end, then you, even on, on that specific level of you're going to, um, you know, congrats, it feel, feels like you've just reached a big objective, which you have, you know, celebrate yeah. that, that's awesome. Right. Um, but there's more work ahead, right. you know, and if you don't acknowledge that, then when the work comes of punning down documents and being prepared with this and that, then it, it can feel like, uh, or, or especially when the fact that they weren't ready ahead of time creates a problem, um, then it can feel like, you know, oh, that was a bad experience and, and it could have been better, even if it was the same amount of work and you just right. communicate it, right. set exactly. those expectations ahead yeah. of time. When you look back at your your years doing this, um, are there any any specific stories that you have where there was a, a customer experience, a specific one where you look back at and said, yeah, man, that could have been better, and it, this specific thing would have been would have been the difference maker there. Um, yeah, I can remember. I mean, one you know, one really stands out is um, uh, I had clients, and I think we were doing a refinance for them, and there were four parties involved. Um, there was you know a, a, a son and his wife and the parents were all on the loan. So there were four parties on the loan, and the we went and signed them an escrow, we sent the documents to the lender, and and the loan funded, but the documents were lost by the lender. Mm. And so the lender came back to me and said, hey, can we, you know, unfortunately we've, we don't have those documents, we don't know what happened to them, we need to have everything re-signed. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, so I said, fine, I'll go. You know, so I got all the parties back together again, and we did it, and they lost them again. Uh. You know, and 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 I, you know, at that point, I was like, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I know we have to go get them to re-sign again. You know, hopefully they'll cooperate and get it. And, yeah. You know, take care, but uh, I'm I'm going to take them out to a nice dinner, and I want you lender to pay for this. Yeah. Um, because this is, you know, it, it already looks horrible. You yeah. Know, it looks terrible. You're losing these pretty vital loan documents. Yeah. Uh, but you're also greatly inconveniencing these, you know, these people. Yeah. And so, um, so we, you know, we required them to pay for a very nice dinner. Yeah. You know, so I took all four of them and my wife, yeah. your mom. <laughs> out to Ruth's Chris and yeah. I just told Leonard, I said, look, you know, this is the third time they're signing these loan yeah. documents. And so I, I don't think I'm being unreasonable at all. This is how I make it a good experience yeah. for them to say, look, this is how sorry I am. Yeah. We're going to make sure that, you know, you guys get some of that. Yeah. So, so anyway, we've, we did that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's one that kind of sticks out. Yeah. Um, I've driven long ways and you know, I've gone driven an hour and a half out, you know, to one of the islands out here and sign customers. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's pretty routine. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think I got a ticket coming home from that one, and you went with me to the courthouse oh, yeah. to, you know, to contest that ticket like an Anacortes yeah. two hours away yeah. months later. But I didn't know where yeah. I was going then, but yeah, I, I yeah, remember that. That was years ago. I remember getting a blizzard yeah. at Dairy Queen. I do <laughs> remember that. <laughs> 
All right. Well, um, one takeaway after this conversation, uh, practical next step for you. What are you going to walk away and do? Um, I'm going to work on the um, making the initial customer experience better. Um, I, you know, so that's you know, I, I want to do a better job of cataloging where people are running into trouble. You know, in the initial disclosures and e-signing, where the technical glitches happen, and just anticipate those. Help you to say, hey, when you get to this, um, just do a better job. Yeah. You know, I, th I think of that of preparing them in advance. Yeah. Um, so that when they encounter that, a, they won't be as frustrated um, and be able to just go smoother and faster. Yeah. yeah, great. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, great job. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, share it, leave a review, and listen next week.